Good Friday, everyone. Welcome to the Blue Water Climate Control VolQuest.com Mailbag Edition podcast on this Friday. Glad to have you along with us with Austin Price, Jesse Simonton, and Rob Lewis. I'm Brent Hubbs. Plenty of things to get to. We got a lot of questions to get to today. We'll get to as many of those as we can. But before we get going there, Rob, I want to jump in with you and Austin, Jesse, y'all could jump in too. What's the significance, Rob, you think of Jalen Green's decision to go to the G League and bypass college? Is this going to start something that's pretty widespread, you think, in college basketball recruiting moving forward, or is this an outlier? I, I don't think it's an outlier in the fact that, you know, I think you'll see more kids do it. But, I, I mean, and personally, and this is just me, I, I mean, I don't. I think you'll see, you know, maybe guys in the top three, five do that. I, I don't think it's going to be something where you see a dozen kids every year do that or even have, you know, maybe have the opportunity to do it. I mean, I don't know that, you know, how many – Kids every year, ZNBA want to invest a half a million dollars in when they can, you know, see them go go to the, basically see them free for a year in college. So, I mean, I think you'll see some of it, but I, I just don't think it's going to be widespread. Now, maybe I'm wrong and being naive, but I just don't see a, like eight eight guys with Jalen Green's talent every year. And it may but, not be eight, but it could shake up if if there's already two top 10 guys or two top 10 players that have now done this. If it, if it, if it becomes every year that half the, or the next couple of years that half the top 10 are going to go get half a million dollars to get trained, they get to stay in the States, they get to play in California. Um, I, I think, I think that would be a uh, side swipe to the NCAA that would make them make some, some significant changes in my opinion. Yeah, possibly. But I mean, I, again, I mean, I, I just think it's going to be the top kids and I don't see it being a ton different than the early 2000s when you could have, you know, four or five, six guys go straight from high school to the league. I mean, college basketball is just fine. Yeah, I mean, I don't, think it's, I don't think it's a terrible thing for college basketball. I mean, you don't get to see, you know, necessarily the best player for a year in college basketball. So your viewership of the G League might go up if, say, a Zion Williamson had played in the G League instead of at Duke. Uh, but I mean, I just think in the college game, if those kids don't want to be in college and so many of those guys are coming for eight months or seven months or whatever the, you know, the number ends up being, um, you know, I, I don't think, you know, I don't think they're getting that much development necessarily in the college game for the eight months they're there anyway, because the coach is building the offense completely around them for eight months to try to win a championship. So I, I don't think it's a detriment to college basketball. I, I mean, I'm ready for college basketball to go back to, you can go straight from high school to the league if that's what you want to do versus the one and done. I've never been a big fan of the one and done deal. I just don't – I don't think it benefits college basketball that much. I, yeah, I don't think that – I don't think you do the baseball route and say if you go to the go to college, you have to go for three years. But I would like to see them do at least a two-year thing. If you, go to, if you go to college, you go to two years, but you have the opportunity, if you so choose, to go straight to the league. I think – the the G the G League opportunity they have now makes that maybe even more feasible. Yeah, Cause I don't, yeah, because you can get you can get close to a million dollars with the endorsement deal. Yeah, so I mean, like I said, I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a huge, I think it's a, I don't think it's a bad thing. Is it a great thing? No, but I, I mean, I, there's some kids who've been playing college basketball that weren't going to college. Okay, I mean, let's just be honest. They were there from a business standpoint, and those kids can now go get a shoe deal on the up and up, you know, and, and they can go get their endorsement deals on the up and up and, and some of those things. So I, I just don't think it's that, that detriment, that necessarily detrimental to the college basketball game. All right, let's, let's jump into uh, the mailbag questions here. Let's go to 
Big Vala, 90. And Austin, I'll start with you. He wants to know if Tyson Wilson, Tyson Watson is a take. Uh, at this point, I would venture to say no. Um, you know, I, I think that he's down the list. Um, Tennessee's obviously offered it, but they offer a lot of kids. That don't mean they would take them right now. Um, so, no, I would, I would lean towards uh, not at this time. But down the line, maybe. All right. Uh, Chillix, uh, whatever his name is. Sorry, bud. Um, do you think Bryce Thompson and or Alante Taylor would consider going to the NFL after this coming season? Uh, if both were to leave, the depth chart the following season would be pretty thin. Any cornerback recruits that we have a good shot at in this class that would be ready to play day one? Jesse, I'll start with you. I, I don't see Thompson or, or Taylor being ready to go uh, pro after this season, personally. I don't. That doesn't mean that they won't explore those options. And I, and I think that both of them, Alante especially, I, I think, uh, will test off the charts um, in a combine setting. So he has the length. He has the requisites uh size um he has the attributes that that folks are looking for if he has a big junior season it would not surprise me at all for him to explore those options i don't disagree uh just based off of you know obviously what happened last year um you know uh, at the end of the day you just wonder how much some of these kids love going to class um but i think that the the chances are that both would be back for their senior years If if you ask me you know to put money on it that would be definitely what I put money on. Would be both would be back for their senior years. I I just think Alante's got to get much 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 more consistent to be on anybody's radar screen, even though his measurables are there. I don't think Bryce runs well enough probably to jump off anybody's jump up anybody's draft board uh, at this point. Uh, but I mean Alante's a guy who lost his job what twice last season um, out of the starting lineup. So I, I think if he got consistent, Jesse, I'm with you. Yes. But he, he's got to show consistency to me before he does anything else in terms of that going down that path. Do they all think about it? Do they all want to? Yes. I, I think you, if you polled everybody on the team and asked them honestly what they thought, they all wanted to leave after three years. There are some exceptions, but I think uh, that's the goal for all these kids when they come in. Let's go to six. Well, you may, and you may, these, these, decisions, these decisions, honestly, though, are going to be very interesting depending on when the season happens. Yeah, oh, absolutely. If, 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 the se- if the season takes place, you know, starting in December or something, then these decisions are, are going to, I think, uh, be rapidly different than what they look like if the season starts on time. Yes, I agree with that 100%. 100% on that. All right, let's go to six large ones on the four. As for the four, are on the four DB commits. How would you grade this group so far? Which ones do the coaches really covet uh, over and under that two and a half sign with Tennessee? And if it's under, more likely that is because of players' decisions to decommit or a coach's decision to cut a guy and move on. Jesse, go ahead. I'm answering this this DB question. I mean, I I, I think that they they this is these are the guys that they've evaluated to start, and so they want to they want to fill out the roster with the you know Isaiah Johnsons and the Tony Grimes and some of the upper echelon guys. Uh, but they're betting on you know Jones being uh, you know a player. They're betting on. Nate, you know, being a player. These are guys that they've evaluated. They've seen in camp previously. Um, 
you know, Ansley has kind of put on, you know, his thumb on these and said, you know, this is who I believe in. And, and so right now, AP, I think this is the group because there's not likely going to be summer camps. This is at least going to be the foundation of that DB group. Well, I think you, especially, you know, you don't want to do what you did that first year, which was put all your money into the egg, the basket with the eggs that have all five stars. Um, so you, but you, so you want to, you want to continue to recruit some of the guys that, you know, you feel like have potential, um, you know, and, and have that kind of, you know, build as far as the arc of their, their, uh, their ability. But I think at the end of the day, you're still going to put a bunch of time into, you know, Johnson and the Tony Grimes. I mean, you've climbed back in that one. Why would you not at least explore going down that road to see if you can get and play with him uh, further and get deeper into that one? Because you just never know. You never know how things are going to play out. You never know what coaches may leave at some point. You, you, you have to recruit them all. I mean, it's like a perfect example is, you know, Junior Coles. Let's say Tennessee ends up not getting him. He goes to Michigan. Every year there's the rumor that Jim Harbaugh is not going to be back at Michigan. At some point, that rumor is going to be true. So why not, you know, you, you continue to recruit Junior if you don't end up getting him. Of course, this is all hypothetical here. And then if, you know, down the line, you know, if something happens, you might could end up getting Junior back because of the way you handled it. That same thing with, with the, the guys like Grimes and some of these other big-timers. I think you have, to, you, you have to go down that road, but you can't, I won't say, say slow play, some of the guys that you feel like have good ability, but there may be a touchdown the uh, the ladder from where those top guys are. And I do well, think they need they they need, they do need to add at least another stud a real stud corner and and they're going after a guy at safety like Wilkinson that 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 has decommitted from Florida a couple times, but there's some real competition there with Georgia, Ohio State. Uh, you know, is Florida still in the mix? We'll see. So. They have some high blue chippers on the board, but to the, for the you know uh, overarching question that, that this poster asked, obviously they like these guys now who they have, or else they wouldn't be in the class. Well, and I think the other thing too is that that position with the where where the game is right now, you're taking more and more DBs. It seems like every year. I'm not saying you take less linemen because you got to have your numbers in play, but you're playing so many DBs so many different ways whether it's a nickel package, a six DB package, you're playing them all on special teams the way you are. I, I think, you know, some years you look at it and you say, well, they don't really need defensive backs. I think this staff's going to take a, a pretty big defensive back class every year. I, I just think that's where the game's at right now, and I think that's where this coaching staff is when you look at what their roster numbers overall look like in terms of needs every year. Or uh, they're going to take – or they're going to take – or the athletes, they do take Brent – are going to be able to transition to that part of the game. If, you know, like if they take a, a guy that's, you know, really wants to play wide receiver, but the fallback plan, it, the fallback plan with those type of kids, in my opinion, with them is definitely deep. Well, it's a safety spot, obviously not a corner, but yeah, I'm, I'm with, I mean, most likely not a corner. Yes. I, I just think, I think in this day and age, you need that at more of those athlete bodies than you've ever needed with the way the game is spread out and played right now, I guess is the point that I'm making. And don't think, forget that Elijah. I think you and I are making the same point. Probably Go ahead, Jess. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, probably is when, when he gets here. We'll have to see. Um, let's go to C. Taust. Um, on the current coaching staff, who do you see adapting the best to recruiting in an all-digital age? I know they do it during dead periods, but who's been generating the bu- some of the buzz on the trail? Uh, Austin, who do you think's adapted best to Zoom and Skype and uh, 
daily conversations this way as opposed to, you know, being out in coaches' offices and, and that type of thing? Well, I think anybody that's younger adapts better to, to the to the digital age, to the to being able to just – but at the end of the day, most of these coaches were doing FaceTimes anyways, and, that, and that virtually that's all this is. It's just a different sure. version of FaceTime. You know, now you can have 10 guys in FaceTime if you want to, you know, versus like if you do a, you know, a FaceTime on, you know, your phone, well, you can have two or three at max. I think, I don't think you can have more than that. And it used to, you could only have just the two people that were connected in the phone call. Um, you know, so I, I think any about the, but I think for the most part, Tennessee staff has gotten, you know, younger. I mean, like as far as like, you know, the thought process, Shelton Felton's not a young guy. I mean, I guess, I mean, he's not 30, he's not Niedermeyer. Niedermeyer's 31, I think. Shelton Felton's late thirties. Um, but he's still in, uh, young as far as experience, and I think his mindset is that of someone who is more along the lines of someone who's a 30-year-old. Um, so I think he translates well. But I, I think a lot of these guys have. You know, I would be the first to say Jay's probably never not been a huge technology guy over the years, and, I mean, he's Zooming with, with kids every day. Yeah, so, I, I mean, think, like, yeah I, I'm with you. I think the bigger thing in recruiting, Jesse, is just what schools are using technology – the best to market themselves right now because the, the the relationship conversations that that's all the same whether you're doing it via text or dm or verbal or video or not i think the bigger question right now is what schools are finding a creative edge to brand and market their entire program through the digital platform because i think that's more paramount right now than anything else and, and you're starting to see as we mentioned in the war room you're seeing some of that shift over the last 10 days or so uh and, and you're seeing more schools jump in and trying to be creative and do different things yeah i mean i had it in i had it in my piece on thursday just about you know you, you've seen north carolina and south carolina and some of these schools tout these virtual uh recruiting tours because wednesday would have been the first day of the spring uh evaluation period and so you know, they're kind of touting the fact that they're, you know, still meeting in these Zoom calls with all these different high school coaches. And that's, uh, again, when you're losing some of these key data points that you normally had for information, whether it's the track times, whether it's the wrestling tournaments, whether it's obviously the on-campus visits and, and the actual summer camps that are unlikely to take place, uh, you're going to have to find creative ways not only to brand your program to recruits, but be able to have other avenues to get information to do your due diligence because you know I, I you're bank banking hard as Jeremy said himself you know in the comments that I used uh, on your own evaluation you know uh, principles so that that's the case for everybody but the 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 the, the you know the results are going to be quite interesting when I think we look back on the this 2021 class down the road. No doubt. C.D. Vol wants to know, do you think Tennessee takes a kicker in the class? Any names to keep in mind? Carver kid. Yeah. Right, AP? I mean, we'll see. I don't know if they're going to – I don't know if he's – I don't know if these guys are going to be scholarships or – I don't think Tennessee runs. will take a scholarship kicker. I just don't. I think there's the Bethel kid at Anderson County. He makes sense as a walk-on. J.T. Carver, obviously his dad, Keith, is in the UT system, makes a ton of sense as a walk-on, and, and a guy that can earn a scholarship down the road. I don't think they're going to take a scholarship kicker. That's just my opinion. Now, again, anything could change, but with the lack of camps this, this season and being able to bring a kid in, 
especially kickers, and bringing them in to watch them kick. I think that this, this especially lends itself favorable to a guy like JT, who's been up here and spent time around this staff back uh, at the first of the year and, and, and for the, those junior days. And don't uh, you think, with, with his father you know, being in the being the, for those that don't know, the president, UT Martin, I mean, wouldn't he be able to go to school virtually free in any event? I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, he would certainly come at a discount for sure. Now, he's got opportunities at Michigan, and he's got some other scholarship opportunities, it appears, right now. So that one will get interesting because I think Tennessee has to be careful there not just to assume they may not be able to recruit. They may not be able to be interested in signing someone necessarily in this class, but they're going to have to recruit that one a little bit uh, with the idea of earning a scholarship or whatever because he's going to have Power 5 scholarship opportunities out there, uh, which – you know, if you just assume he's going to be here because his dad's in the system, a lot of times that can get you in trouble. So they're going to have to recruit him for sure. Oh, 100% agree with that. I, I think you recruit him as if you're taking him uh, on a full ride. But I right. think that you, you you ultimately go, okay, look, we can sign an extra this if you can walk on and, 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 and get, wait a little time because, you know, your dad does work in the system. And, and I, again, I, I think that it, it's both ways. You you know, both sides have to give a little bit. Tennessee's got Tennessee has to recruit him as if he's a full scholarship guy. But in my opinion, the other side has to look at it and go, okay, me 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 taking one for the team here helps helps the team I want to play for a little bit more down the road. All right, let's go to Galilee. Rob, how will the Vols handle Scott Clark transferring to Brentwood Academy with B.J. Edwards already a target? Could that cause a problem for Tennessee's recruiting? I mean, I don't think so, but I think I mean, the way the staff operates, I mean, they're up front and open. I mean, BJ could probably end that one if he jumped in the boat. I mean, Tennessee's been recruiting him for a long time, but I think they're going to recruit both kids. And, uh, you know, I think Clark is a long way from a slam dunk. I mean, he's coming from the West Coast. He's got tons of offers already. So, and, you know, not it, it isn't exactly, a, you know, a homegrown talent that's got a lot of ties to your school, whereas BJ's a guy that they've already built a relationship with. And, uh, I don't think it slows down anything. I think just, you know, Clark is a little bit of wrinkle on the board now that he's two and a half hours away in Brentwood. But um, I think that they both are, are guys Tennessee will pursue in 2022. I'd be interested to see, Brent, what B.J. Edwards does, because there's a lot of smoke out there that he will not be back at Catholic and will be going to IMG. We'll, we'll see if that we'll see if that, you know, if that actually comes into fruition. He is a year older, so I do think his senior year, because next year he'll just be a junior. His senior year, I do think that makes a ton of sense. But I could see potentially him coming back for one more year at Catholic, maybe. With Volunteer 87's question, what types of school are going to benefit or lose from the worldwide shutdown from a recruiting perspective? As the obvious winner seems to be in-state schools, since the familiarity is typically there at a younger age versus a kid wanting to explore cross-country. Other than that, do you think longtime incumbents versus new coaches? Do you think this could help the lesser of the Power Five schools, or will the big dogs separate themselves even further? All right. I think I think the big dogs separate themselves even further, Brent. And 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 then second of all, I think it's really kind of like that four-hour or five-hour circumference around, like let's say Knoxville. So like you know, I, I think that you know it's not just in state. I think it's that it's what's within a four or five-hour drive of you. You know, that, that becomes way more realistic with the current climate out there than, let's say, somebody going from Oklahoma to North Carolina or North Carolina to Oklahoma. You know, I just think that, that you know, 
either that you're a team that's an Oklahoma, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, you know, those teams that have been in the, the playoff nearly almost every year. I think those teams benefit, but also the teams that are within that little four-hour circle of where you live. So if you live in, you know, South Georgia, I think, you know, Tennessee could be a, a touch far, you know, whereas I think if you live, you know, in, you know, Charlotte area, I think Tennessee's right in the wheelhouse because it's not that far. All right, let's go to T. Francie here. He wants to know how does the staff plan to get down to 85 scholarships? As you guys mentioned several times with no spring practice, that some would most likely have transferred. Maybe they stick around. Are they just going to FaceTime guys and tell them to look around? Uh, does the NCAA expand the number for just a year? I, I don't think the NCAA is changing the 85 number for a year. Um, you know, in terms of FaceTiming guys and telling them not to come around, I don't know about that either. But how, how does Tennessee manage their 85? Some of these are walk-on guys that, don't, that, that won't get an opportunity to be on scholarship next year, right? Correct. Yeah, I mean, that, that's one way that they could go under. Although I do think that's a dicey thing, too, if you've given a guy a scholarship and then you pull it, you know, a year and then maybe give it back. The most likely option, though, and I noted this in, in my piece uh, when I wrote about Tennessee scholarship, I said it's a dilemma, but it's a solvable dilemma. Because I think one thing that you're going to see is that if the NCAA ultimately does pass some sort of, you know, you get a one-time transfer – um, you will see more guys apt to leave. And so if that happens, there's going to be movement. Now, the reverse of that is I do think because Tennessee's fairly squeezed, they're unlikely to take in a bunch of guys, you know, this uh, this year. Now, maybe it'll happen in the future, but I don't think it'll happen this year just the way the numbers shake out. It's the reason why, you know, AP noted on the board earlier, they were not really after Fabian Lovett. It's the reason why, um, you know, they weren't, they didn't end up getting the pass rusher that was, that ended up at LSU uh, from North Dakota State because they really couldn't aggressively chase these guys because they don't they can't say we got a spot for you right away. Um, so the numbers are going to work themselves out. I just think Tennessee is going to be a little little bit more hamstrung than they probably want to be. The perfect, right, example, the perfect example in my mind, Brent, is you know there's this notion I keep seeing it posted on the board. Well, if Zach Evans don't come in here, Chase Hayden's coming. I don't know. I, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you that because I mean Tennessee again is over. Tennessee needs to have a few guys leave just to get to 85. So like, well, it, is, is that, are, are that, are that many players going to leave, which opens up, um, you know, uh, which opens up things for, for somebody to come in. I doubt it. I think Tennessee will be struggling to get to uh, the 85 number just because who's going to leave, who's going to go into this climate and go, you know, where, where there's, you know, if, if you're, a, if you're anybody that's out there waiting, to, you know, you've already announced you're transferring and you've gone and you've left to school. I mean, you're just kind of in no man's land. So, I mean, who, who else is going to volunteer to go out there in that climate? Sure. I'll go which out there it, and not find a home. Which is why it, I will say it was interesting on Thursday afternoon that, you know, Tennessee got mentioned by a couple national guys as being a potential player for JT Daniels, you know, leaving, uh, USC and obviously the ties are natural there because of T Martin T sure. was kind of one of the guys to recruit him. And yes, I think, I think JT Daniels is a hell of a quarterback, even though he's been kind of, you know, injury prone the last couple of years, but how, how does Tennessee, that would be an odd decision for me, even though his talent is pretty good considering where Tennessee is at the quarterback room, considering you just signed two freshmen and you, and as, as we've talked about a bunch, you really like, Ty Simpson and some guys in 2022 you, you, you bring in JT Daniels who would have three years to play 
I think you're scaring off some folks. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. That one doesn't make any sense to me at all. I mean, unless your room is just going to be depleted, you know, and, and you know that that's going to happen and you're going to have basically no one to pick from and he would come in and start right away. But I just don't – that doesn't make a lot of sense because of how it could affect you and your 21 and 22 classes. Now, um, if you were JT Daniels, why would you go into an environment where, you know, you would have to really, you know, compete to, to be even in the mix to be one of the top two or three guys? I mean, I, you know, I mean, I understand he's got talent, but you know, when he walks in the door, there's no guarantee he's going to win the job or be the backup, you know, because, I mean, Jarrett's been here for, for X amount of years and it has the knowledge. And then obviously everybody has high hopes for Harrison Bailey. So, like, if you're a guy like JT Daniels, it makes way more sense to go to a place that, has nobody. Yeah, no, I, I would think that I would think he's going to go. He's yeah, exactly. That's why I, I would ultimately think it'd be somewhere like uh, uh, an LSU or an or a Florida State. But that's just my opinion. I mean, it's just noted. It's just interesting that Tennessee got thrown around so quickly, considering uh, how how many spots they already have in that quarterback room. Yep. All right. Let's get a couple more in here before we wrap it up. Bud Wrigley wants to know, can you talk about the inner workings of the recruiting process? What is it like for coaches to call and deal with these prospects? I imagine some 16 and 17 year olds are not always nice. I imagine it's like the bachelor in some respects, as in the recruit holds most cards and the staff has to tread lightly and try not to offend them. Uh, Just my thoughts. Can you elaborate? You know, I think it's different. I'm going to jump in here first on this one. I think the process is totally different now than it was 10 years ago because it's now about you're interacting with these guys face to face so many times. Whereas 10 years ago, it was about getting them on campus once and you had one weekend really to show them what you were all about. And the process now is is very different. Um, And, and, you know, I think because of that, you make decisions that uh, you move on from guys if a guy doesn't fit you and you have a better understanding of whether. He's the right fit for you and, and whether or not you're the right fit for him. Um, certainly there are guys who are, who are not nice. I mean, I remember Brady James when he visited here on his visit uh, before he went to LSU. He had nothing good to say to Philip Fulmer directly to his face on the visit, much less after the visit. Uh, so there, th- that happens from time to time. But I think the climate is much different now because there's so much more interaction with these kids from the time they're 14 years old to the time that they were, that, that they signed. That's why I think it's a, it's a little bit different. It's much more about a personal relationship now than it used to be, which is why the glitz and the glamour is not as big of a deal as it was a few years ago. Uh, Hubbard, I think one, the, to, to pile on to that point, I, I think that all the interaction you're talking about has really lessened the importance of the head coach's in-home visit. I mean, I, I, I think that used to be a huge, huge deal and something that Philip Fulmer you know, could have taught a master class on. And I'm not saying it's not a big deal anymore, but just like you said, there's so much more interaction starting, you know, when they're maybe freshmen or sophomores that that's uh, just kind of a formality as opposed to a, a centerpiece anymore. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, let's go to uh, Maval, Tennessee Maval here. She says, are there still players in Knoxville who are obviously living off campus? Where do they work out? What are they doing, Austin? You got some guys. You know some guys that are in town, right? There's, I mean, not just the local kids. There's a couple other kids back in town, right? Yeah, there's some other kids in town. I mean, they're just having to find a find a way on their own. I mean, like gyms aren't open, you know. So I mean, like they're having to, you know, do things. I mean, again, if you go and watch those workout videos by AJ Artis, you know, they're, they're you know, they're find they're teaching the kids ways to, you know, be able to do things without, you know, weights. Um, but then in certain instances, locally, I think that you know, there are enough, you know private you know households that have weights and stuff that you know there there are some 
you know, ways to, to find your way to, you know, do a little bit of free weight work and, and, you know, get a bar underneath you, you know, or, or over top of you. So, I mean, like I, I ultimately, uh, I think these guys are okay, but I mean, I do think that it is more of a challenge, um, you know, right now than it would be normally, um, you know, if for the kids that are in town that are not from Knoxville, you know what I'm saying? I, you know, if they, if they go back home, you know, if the kid's from Montgomery, Alabama, and he goes back home, it's easier to find a way into a, a weight room than it is here because, again, you don't have that many options. Yeah, and some places, you know, some high school, you can still get on some turfs at some high schools. Um, yeah. And in some other places, they've got it, the school, the high, your high school that you went to has it completely locked down. You can't even get on the in, in the stadium steps to run. So everybody's a little bit different depending on your town, depending on – uh, the state that you're in and all those things. All right, last last couple here. LF Vol, you there were recent comments from you guys that you think Tennessee's position for a class ranked seven, somewhere between seven and twelve. The current commitment rankings don't come close to getting Tennessee there. Absent several rating upgrades, that implies that a high percentage of future commitments need to be four star and up. Can you comment on what's fueling your confidence in the quality of the next twelve to fifteen additions to this class? Well, I think Tennessee's sitting there with several big time guys. You know, I don't, you know, one, I think like guys like Dylan Brooks, who's a four star, but could end up being a potential fringe five star before this is all said and done. Um, and there are other guys like that too. But ultimately, I think a lot of the guys Tennessee's in on uh, that are not committed are like those four star type players and they're, they're ranked fairly high in the rivals 250. So, um, you know, I, I think that Tennessee can get there. One, because there's going to be, you know, the, the rankings will be, will be altered. Now, again, I have no, I don't do rankings, but I, I don't know how you can re-rank kids when you've not really seen them. You know, maybe just, you know, a few here and there based off the fact that, you know, their huddle films may be a fraction different or whatever. I, I just think it's going to be, you know, it's going to be really difficult for all guys across the industry, not just for rivals, but for, for other sites as well to, you know, try to come up with new rankings and justify them. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's go to Pine Vol, Pine Mountain Vol. Which incoming linebacker makes the biggest impact on this team? excluding special teams. Jesse, you want to take that one at the gate? Excluding special teams, linebackers. Bryson um, Eason? I, I would guess Bryson Eason. Um, are, we going, are we going outside guys? Or are you talking about Morvin Joseph and those guys too, right? That's how yeah. I would view it. So, yeah. So I, yeah. Was, I was going to say I, was, I would too. And so I would, I would still lean Bryson Eason, uh, but the opportunity is there for either a Tyler Barron or Morvin Joseph to uh, get some work at that jack spot behind the Roman Harrisons and, and Kravaris Crouches and whatnot. I'm going right. to go Tyler Barron, and here's why. Tyler physically is already there. I think that helps him. And he's an intelligent football player. I think he's got to be more consistent. But I think playing at the college level against, you know, top-end guys, I think he'll be more motivated than maybe he was at the high school level. I think Tyler Barron's that guy out on the outside. Inside, I would still lean toward – I wouldn't lean towards a true freshman. Uh, if, if it was, it would be what Jesse said with Eason. But I still think Crouch, you know, Crouch is going inside. Yeah, uh, yeah, he is. I mean, he's got to get healthy and well. Last question. we got to get this one in here from Agent Man 12 AP. Any new intel on Evans? Is it still a UT Ole Miss battle? Go ahead and give your Zach Evans update out the door. Yeah, I've given this one for like, uh, you know, like what, nine days now. I think Tennessee is fading. I think Ole Miss is fading a little bit too, but not as much as Tennessee. I think Tennessee is an extreme long shot at this point. And uh, there's a lot of uh, intel around him that suggests that 
he may end up outside the SEC in the Big uh, 12 at one of the Texas schools, either TCU or potentially Texas. Um, A&M cannot sign him. They signed a full 25, so they can't go down that road because um, they don't have an opportunity for a blue shirt because he already visited there. And uh, so I think that you know ultimately those make the most sense. Um, so we'll see. Yep. Again, nothing knows? with this kid will surprise me. Yeah, and who knows with the fact that he can't get on a campus anywhere, visit anywhere. He does have the one visit left. Does he use it? Does he just show up somewhere in August? Um, how's all that going to play out? Sounds like he's probably not going to be able to get to use that visit, so he probably just shows up somewhere in August. So we'll see how that plays out. Hey, I want to remind you about Blue Water Climate Control's Smooth Sailing Service Plan. Blue Water offers their clients seasonal inspections, repair discounts, and annual tune-ups for one low annual price or low automatic monthly payment. The Smooth Sailing Sailing Service Plan includes semi-annual Seasonal inspections to perform routine checks, 10% off parts and labor on all HVAC repairs, an annual 40-point diagnostic of your entire heating and air system, including ductwork, prioritized response to air conditioning repair and maintenance needs, never pay overtime fees uh, for those weekend or after-hour emergencies, and they have a loyalty plan included with it. So you can call them today and get a quote over the phone. Don't forget to mention VolQuest, and you'll get a discount as well. So call BlueWaterClimateControl.com at 865 299 2290. Ask them about their smooth sailing service plan. For Rob Lewis, Austin Price, and Jesse Simonton, I'm Brent Hubs. That's going to do it for this Friday edition of the uh, BallQuest.com mailbag podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody.